mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's tennis season, folks. As we speak, thousands of tennis fans from around the world are making their way to California for a big tournament called Indian Wells. And we wanted to get in on the action. A quick note for our listeners, though. You're going to hear a little tennis lingo on this episode. Here's a brief guide. There are four big professional tennis tournaments each year. They're known as the Grand Slams. When we talk about pros, it's the people playing at the most competitive level in these and other tournaments. Juniors tournaments are where competitive kids and teenagers play. Okay, back to the program. It's a sunny English summer day in 2022, and Serena Williams, a 23-time Grand Slam champion, greatest tennis player of all time, is about to play doubles with a much lesser-known tennis player from Tunisia, Owns Jabor. Who called who? I called her. <laughs> she's been playing so well, and um, she's always been so sweet to me on tour, so I was like, it would be fun to play. Serena and Owns versus the world, or versus the competitors at the Eastbourne Tournament in England. Serena and Owns choose to play at a lower stakes tournament. Eastbourne's not one of the Grand Slams. And it's a good thing, because the first day they play together, they're both a little bit rusty. And Owns fumbles. She's nervous to be playing with Serena. Owns, how much did you enjoy this match tonight, uh, playing with Serena? Oh, honored that she picked me, to be honest with you. I I couldn't believe it. (laughs) It was so much fun. And uh, even when I made mistakes, she kept encouraging me. So thank you for that, really. Of course, we got this. Their first match wasn't off to a great start. They were both still getting a feel for each other on the court, and Owns had missed a couple of shots. But on the second day, things really started to change for Owns. It's the final set. The teams are tied. Two more points, and either one of them could win. Owns and one of the opposing players are hitting the ball back and forth diagonally on the field. Then, the ball comes to Serena. She kind of smacks it down to the other side of the net with a big grunt. The other team hits the ball right back to Serena's area. Serena getting ready to hit with full force again. And then Owns just kind of casually walks in front of Serena and just gently taps the ball to the other side. A completely unorthodox drop shot. And it's so unexpected that the other team completely misses the ball and the crowd goes wild. Serena's there, smiling from ear to ear, covering her mouth in disbelief. It's so wildly unexpected, and frankly, it's just fun to watch. And it's also so typically owns to do something outside of the box, because she learned to play tennis in Tunisia, a country not known for competing on the international scene. Over the recent years, Owns's inventive style has started to make an impression in a sport largely known for its etiquette and protocol. But after this match, 
the press still seems to only have questions for Serena. Serena, this trip to the UK this summer, which... Serena, just, was it a little bit of... Serena, during the past year, was there ever a moment when you felt regularly what was that like and you know yeah when you kind of just said you know you're ready and sorry also for Owens just what was your first memory of Serena after a reporter asks Owens about her first memory of Serena there's this long pause and Serena and Owens's eyebrows shoot up like come on after that amazing match this is the only question you want to ask Owens can you believe this guy And then, like an absolute pro, Serena moves on, saving Owens from having to respond. Training regularly was, um, I gave myself a timeline to get here. After a decade playing in the pros, sometimes it seems like Owens is still treated like an underdog. And that is eerily similar to what Serena and Venus Williams went through. Owens has been seen as an outsider coming into a mostly white, Western bubble of tennis. She's been told she's doing it all wrong. And still, she's proven that she can play the way she wants to play and still be one of the best. Not in spite of being different, but because of it. Serena and Venus Williams are now both well-known tennis legends, but Owens is still a legend in the making. When you watch her, you see that sort of unbridled joy that would get a kid who didn't necessarily grow up in the environment where tennis was the obvious choice, who found her way to the sport and decided to play it her own way. To me, I see like a pure expression of joy. I see, I see creativity, I see um, creation. And there's something really beautiful about that. From something else in Sony Music Entertainment, this is They Did That, a different kind of history show. I'm Takara Small. Today, I'm talking with Caitlin Thompson, co-founder of Racket Magazine, about how an outlier is changing the way tennis is played. Hi, Caitlin. I'm really excited to talk to you about tennis today. But first, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Caitlin Thompson. I'm the co-founder of Racket, which is a media company about the lifestyle, culture, history of tennis. A lot of what we do at Racket is to try to correct for some of the fact that tennis has been a little bit elitist and it hasn't been necessarily for the people. I want to change that. So, Caitlin, we're talking about Owens Jabur today, the Tunisian tennis player who has been climbing her way up the top of the charts. But it's been harder for her than a lot of other players. And I think we should start there. I mean, the reason it's been harder is because she's a tennis player from Tunisia, And I know I'm preaching to the choir when I'm telling you this, but in the U.S., like there are fancy academies with fancy coaches and fancy tennis courts who start training these tennis stars like really young, but not so much in Tunisia. So how did she find her way? I mean, it can't have been easy. No, and I think what's amazing about it is that it's more fun to watch her because she didn't get crafted in a factory. (laughs) She told my podcast co-host Renee Stubbs, who did an interview with her a couple of years ago, she was talking about how her mother got her into the sport at first. They would hit casually, they would play and practice, and it was a joyous sort of recreational thing. But when she, through hitting with her mother, and then some of the boys in town, and then some of the better players across the country... And again, I can't really emphasize enough, Tunisia doesn't really have very many good players, so I would imagine pretty soon she was the best player in Tunisia. So picture this. 
It's 1997, and Owens is a little three-year-old girl in a small city outside of Tunis. She starts playing a little tennis with her mom for fun, and soon she falls in love. Owens is talented. She's a hell of a lot of fun playing this game, and she dreams of being number one in the world one day. But it sometimes feels impossible. Her family supports her 100%, and they make whatever sacrifices are needed to get her a coach, to take her to tournaments, to invest in this dream. Owens is getting better and better, but even though Owens and her family are giving it everything they've got, Owens just doesn't have the same kinds of resources as kids playing in a country where tennis is a thing. Meanwhile, in America, Europe, and other tennis-forward places, Owens' competitors are training in academies. Picture perfectly coiffed lawns, a cafeteria, a dozen or more tennis courts with all the surfaces. The place runs like a factory. Little kids with rich parents have paid thousands of dollars to be here. They have a well-planned and well-funded dream. Go to this academy, win juniors tournaments, go pro, and get to number one. They all train with great players in their category, get coached by former champions, and learn all the same techniques. Now, this isn't how every tennis player trains, but if you're looking for a how-to guide on going pro, this is it. Tennis has been so exclusive for so long. In America, the push to make tennis more affordable and more accessible to different communities came pretty recently. It was only because the legendary Venus and Serena Williams showed how much talent was being overlooked and excluded. What Ons Jabir didn't have, and what anybody coming up in Tunisia still doesn't have, is that kind of quick start program, partnership, infrastructure, coaching, training, facilities, resources. That still doesn't exist in Tunisia. So the fact that Ons Jabir came out of that world is what makes her story so cool. Ons has got an access issue working against her. But she and her family figure it out. They scrape together enough money for Owns to travel to juniors tournaments. A lot of people are thinking and saying to her, if you want to be a serious player, you have to get out of this town. You have to train with, say, French coaches. You have to learn the way they do it. Because it's the way. But Owns can't afford that when she's growing up. So she sticks with her Tunisian team. And slowly, she starts developing her own unique style. What is amazing about her game, and I don't want to get too technical with you, but I do want to sort of explain what makes her so fun to watch is the way she hits drop shots, the way that she hits trick shots, the way that she moves around the court, the way that she tactically throws a lot of kind of crazy stuff at you, the way that she plays at times whimsically at the expense of intelligently, but it ends up being effective because nobody would be crazy enough to try this, so it works because nobody's expecting it. And to be clear, her game is great. She has great strokes, she's technically very good, but nobody would teach you how to play that way, certainly not in an academy. Own starts playing juniors when she's 13, and she's slowly getting better and better, perfecting her game. And then in 2010, Something clicks. Owens gets into the semifinals at the French Open and the quarterfinals at Wimbledon. Her ranking is rising, but still, everyone is doubting her, doubting that she can get to the top. The next year, 2011, 
Owens has her final year in juniors. She's recently had a wrist injury and she's not playing her best in practice. But she does something bold. Owens goes into the French Open declaring to everyone, I'm going to win this slam. All the reporters laugh at her. No one's quite ready to believe that Owens is capable of defeating the best. But Owens believes in herself and she works her way through the tournament from the quarterfinals to the semifinals and then to the finals themselves. And she picks up a lot of Arab fans along the way. That year, in 2011, Owens became the first North African woman to win a junior Grand Slam title. In the world of juniors tennis, Winning one of the four Grand Slam titles is an omen that you're about to get agents, sponsorships, big support teams. You're going to the top 100 pros, and fast. What should have happened after Anstuber wins the 2011 French Open Juniors is she gets those contracts, she gets those opportunities, she gets a high-powered agent, she can afford a coach now, she can afford to maybe not travel, uh, you know, in the cheapest manner possible. All the things that money buys you, she should have gotten, but she didn't. So why doesn't the world's next big tennis star get the fancy agent? That's after the break. Buenos dias world from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In 2011, Owens Jabor won a Junior's Grand Slam title. It was a pretty solid sign that she'd have a prosperous professional career. And she did go pro. But instead of taking off like a rocket, Owens' career sort of stalled. So, Caitlin, what happened? Why did Owens' career slow down? Usually when people hit these new peaks, there are people who have hands pulling them up, and she didn't have that. And so that's why it took each of these stages maybe longer because she doesn't have these natural advantages that all these other people from richer countries have. Okay, people from richer countries. So does that mean money was a big issue for her? Because she would have presumably been making the same amount as everyone else at her level at these tournaments. It's interesting because part of the way that tennis players make money is obviously the money that they win in tournaments. That's the most visible way. So we know what that prize money looks like. What we don't necessarily have insight into, but have a lot of evidence for is how much it costs any player at the highest levels of the game just to play. In tennis, players fund their own career. There's no larger management company. The player has to find a way to pay for all the team members, all the travel, all the minor operations for injuries. It's expensive. The most famous and well-funded players have no problem hiring armies to travel around the world with them. But if you can't afford to do that, and you want to stay in the game, you have to find a way to cut costs. In the case of Anstruber, 
And she employed her husband as her physio. Her husband learned how to essentially give her sports massages, making sure that her body doesn't pick up injuries and that she's stretched out and ready to compete and recovered the next day, that it was a way to cut down on the amount of team that she had to pay for, you know? Yep, you heard that right. Owens has been so strapped for cash that she hires her husband to be her physio. Okay, that makes sense. Because I knew that her husband, Kareem, was on her team, and it makes sense that it was a cash flow thing. But I guess I'm still wondering, is everyone else at her level having to hire their husbands? Or is Owens up against some bigger money issues here? This is really, really why coming from Tunisia specifically is a disadvantage. There are fewer sponsorship opportunities for a player who comes from a market that is seen as small. Now, you want to be creative and visionary and big thinking. None of the attributes, by the way, I would ascribe to the people who act as sports agents, who tend to be the dumbest, laziest, (laughs) sort of instant gratification-oriented human beings. They immediately see a tiny market like Tunisia and think, you know what? Even if this woman becomes the most famous person in the country, there's still not as many people in Tunisia who will buy her skirts, her car, etc., as to make investing in her as a sponsor, brand ambassador worth it. A player from Tunisia, because most of these agents are so short-sighted, doesn't necessarily inspire the kind of big thinking that it would take to think, oh my God, this woman is going to get so much support and so much fanship from literally every Arab person around the world who's never had an athlete that they can root for at this level. And wouldn't it be smart of me to create some larger footprint for her because then not only could I get her paid and make her excited, then I will have activated this entire quadrant of the world that this whole sport has never spoken to. For years, Owens just had to accept that she wasn't going to get the same deals and sponsorships as some of her peers. And she wasn't going to get them because sports agents in the West couldn't see the value in investing in a Middle Eastern and North African market. Owens had been playing professionally for six years before something actually started to change. And so when did she start getting attention? Like, what was it that pushed her into the limelight? 2017 is really her breakthrough year. She gets her ranking high enough to be able to get into the four big Grand Slam tournaments. Then, all of a sudden, the sponsorship opportunities and some of the stuff that comes with it starts being, you know, essentially like snowballs. In 2017, crowds start really showing up for Owens. And when crowds show up, so do sponsors. Own starts getting more money in tournaments and in sponsorships, and the playing field starts to level out. You know, it's interesting because I want to go back to Serena Williams in this case, because in a lot of ways, there's a parallel to be drawn here. There's an idea of undeniability, you know? There was a time period when Serena came on the scene and was winning so much and had gotten so much early success And the commentators weren't really like ready for her. And there was a lot of, if not overt racism, then certainly like kind of dubiousness. Like, oh, well, you know, she's interested in fashion off the court. She's distracted because she's taking a nail course. She is traveling too much. I remember talking about her hair and like her dance and like the size of her body. body. I remember being like, She's black. Her hair looks like that. Like, that's how, unless we straighten her hair, that's how our hair looks. And I just, I couldn't believe it. And it just became like a lot of reasons to ignore what was actually happening, which was she's winning a whole lot of tennis matches. 
But eventually everyone was like, oh my God, she's undeniable. Like her record speaks for itself. I guess we're going to have to talk about her. Like she's been great all along and we knew it all along and we were so smart all along. It was a shift. You could hear it. And the thing about Ons is whether people were ready to accept her as a indicator of things to come, as a new sort of regional voice, she became undeniable. She got into all the Grand Slams. Starting in 2017, she started winning tournaments. Every time she played in front of a crowd, the crowd was forced to deal with how amazing her shot selection, her style, all the things we've been talking about, her whimsy, her, her the excitement, how you feel when you watch her play. You can't deny that. And to me, that was really the turning point because those crowds got bigger and bigger as she won more and more. And at a certain point, she became undeniable. And here we are. The sponsorships are rolling in. The crowds are turning up. The commentators are ooing and aahing. And just like that, Owens Jabor has gone from number 89 in 2017 to number 31 in 2020 to number 10 in 2021. And then in 2022, she has the best year of her career yet. She plays those doubles matches with Serena in the UK. Then she heads to Wimbledon, a Grand Slam she's been dreaming of winning since she was a little girl. And she gets to the semifinals. Once again, she's killing it. The crowd is loving it. Yeah, the improvisation never ends, does it? But I mean, this shot should be impossible. She hit that behind her shoulder, running backwards, and still managed to get a short angle at that. She wins the Wimbledon semi-final. Ons, huge congratulations. You are through to the finals of Wimbledon. How good does that sound? I really, uh... I really don't know what to say. It's um, it's a dream coming true, you know, from uh, years and years of work and sacrifice. So I'm really happy that it's paying off and uh, I'll continue for one more match now. <laughs> that Wimbledon finals match was a different story. Owen started off with a bang. She won the first set but then her opponent came back even stronger. For the whole rest of the game, Owens was on defense. It was a tough match for her, and she ended up losing. Getting ready for a post-match interview, Owens seemed like she was fighting tears. But the crowd was holding her up, metaphorically speaking. That's how much they've appreciated your tennis and your attitude to the game. But Ons, you've been an inspiration as well, the first Arab woman in a Grand Slam final. You are setting... There are so many young girls whose lives you are changing. And I hope you know that you'll be back here winning the title one year. Yeah, I mean, Elena stole my title, but it's okay. (laughs) Um, I I love this tournament so much, and... uh, I feel really sad, but I mean, it's, it's tennis. There is only one winner. Um, I'm really happy that uh, I'm trying to inspire, you know, many generations from my country. Uh, I hope they're listening. And uh, I, I just want to wish Eid Mubarak to all Muslims around the world. It's very important. Excellent. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. 
Later that summer, Owens got close to a Grand Slam again, this time at the U.S. Open in New York. But for a second time, she came runner-up. This was a tough one. You fought your heart out. The crowd was behind you. What will you remember the most from these last two weeks? Well, just uh, I want to thank the crowd for uh, cheering me up and... uh, I, I, I really tried, but just uh, um, amazing two weeks, to be honest with you, uh, backing up my final in Wimbledon. I know I'm going to keep working hard, and uh, we'll get that title some, sometime soon. It's a hard moment for Owens. She's trying to stay positive, But she's been fighting so long and so hard for this goal. It must hurt deep to lose twice. She's not back at square one, though. She finished off 2022 as the number two player in the world. And maybe even more meaningful than that, every match she played, she had all of Tunisia, all of the Arab world, and so much more behind her. Onstuber has this amazing personality. She makes this sort of, this really like widespread effect on other people. It's contagious what she brings to the court in terms of dynamics. And I think that is evident in the way that the other players treat her, the the tournament organizers treat her, the fans treat her. They see her as one of us, so much so that she has now been dubbed. And I know you know this, Dakara, so I'll let you say it if you want to say it. But she's earned it. Yeah, I mean, like the title in itself is like, um, I think bigger and better than anything I've heard. Minister of Happiness. I mean, come on. That's amazing. Who gets dubbed that? I feel like you could put that on your business (laughs) card and like just retire. She's out there making friends, winning people over, winning the hearts and minds of the crowd and the tennis community, kind of one person at a time. One of the other enjoyable parts about her story is the fact that, yes, she hired her husband, and that makes sense financially, but she also stuck with her husband, and she hired a fellow countryman as her coach, right? I mean, she could have, when she started making money, she could have hired anyone, but she stuck with what she knew and who she knew. I think there's a lot to be said for that, and you're right. Having a fellow Tunisian, again, from a place that doesn't have a very strong tennis History is really, really cool. And I think it also speaks to the idea that what excellence looks like can take a lot of different forms. I can imagine a lot of professional, very typical coaches would want to change her. It's working. So why change by getting some high paid coach who's going to make her look like everybody else? Part of why she's winning is because she doesn't. It might seem like Owns is on top of the world, but there is a hidden cost to all the systemic issues she's faced. That's after the break. Twenty twenty two was Owns's best year yet. She made it to not one but two Grand Slam finals. She became number two in the world, and she ignited a huge fan base in the Arab world. A fan base that had never existed for tennis was now showing up to see Owens play all over the world. But she had to pay a sort of tax on her success that most of her peers didn't. So we talked a lot about how much work it took for her to get to the pro level um, and how much effort it took 
to receive the recognition. And it just reminds me of the fact that for, you know, different groups that still takes a toll. So racism has a toll on your health. Discrimination has a toll on your health. And she's now 28. So for a very long time, even though she was very talented, she just didn't get the endorsements and the resources she needed to thrive, which means she will have a shorter career, right? Completely right. There are ramifications to this. And so every chance that she had to have a little extra help being pulled up to the next level faster, you're right. She just didn't get because of what it means to be the first in the room. And I think for that reason, she's talked about having a child. She's talked about having how she wants to have the next phase of her life be centered around her family. You can see what an amazing sort of life she wants for herself. And I also think having a shortened career, as you said, is largely because she didn't have these advantages. Owens keeps fighting, though, and her fan base just keeps getting bigger. In 2019, Owens got the Arab Woman of the Year Award. And just this past January, she was on the cover of Vogue Arabia. Caitlin, we've talked a lot about how Owens has made it to the top of her sport by staying true to herself. Like, exactly the thing that people said would be her biggest roadblock is actually the reason why she's succeeding. And I think fans can really recognize her authenticity as well. Can you talk a little bit about how the Arab world has reacted to Owens' success? I think one of the things that is the most exciting to me about Owens is when I think of my own family, who largely could not really care less about tennis. I married into a Syrian family who are first-generation immigrants from Damascus, and tennis was just not part of their culture. It wasn't something they grew up in. You know, everybody's good at backgammon, but they're not super into tennis. When Ons came onto the scene and really started to get prominent by winning, just becoming undeniable and getting to the top echelons of the game. My mother-in-law, who again, does not care about tennis, was out of her mind. She was asking me where she could get a Yala Habibi shirt, which is the official, unofficial Ons Jabur merch. She was she put up a Tunisian flag. She had a backgammon tournament with mint tea to celebrate. It's a reminder of how sport really does connect us all. Besides winning a Grand Slam, Owns' biggest goal is to be an inspiration for other Tunisians. The same way that Serena and Venus Williams opened the door for more Black players to make it big, Owns is opening the door for Arabs and Africans. But it's not just her existence in the high levels of tennis that's inspiring. It's also how she's existing there. At every turn, Owns has chosen to stick with her own style. She's resisted conforming to the factory model of playing tennis, and it's because of that that she's winning. And she's making the sport better along the way. I think the best players redefine what is possible. And I don't just mean in terms of excellence, I think in terms of creativity too. It's fun to watch somebody use the same canvas, the same dimensions of a court, how to bend them to their will, how to make them look like something new, how to give us something we haven't seen before. And I think it can't be overstated how much of a departure Anza's game style is. There's a new way of viewing the sport through her eyes. That's, to me, what is so exciting about Anza. Owens Jabor is back for the 2023 tournaments, and she's hoping this will be the year she becomes a Grand Slam champion. She's even playing right now at Indian Wells in California. 
If you want to know more about Owns, check out her interview on the Racket podcast called the Renee Stubbs Tennis Podcast. Also, if you have Netflix, head over to episode four of Breakpoint. It features Owns. And of course, you can find all of her matches and highlights of her famous drop shots on YouTube. Happy watching. Next time on They Did That. Merle Oberon was the first person of color uh, we know of who was nominated for an acting Oscar. Yet at the time, people did not know that she was of Asian descent because she passed for white and she concocted this fiction along with the studio. They Did That is presented by me, Takara Small. This episode is written and produced by Ava Ahmed Begi. Our associate producer is Serena Chow. This episode was edited by Jasmine Romero. Executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. Engineering and sound design by Rick Kwan. Our production coordinator is Lily Hamley, and our original theme song is by Cedric Wilson. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.